Our scripture from today does come from the book of Revelation. It comes from the very beginning of, of the book. Words that are often skipped over, but I think are really important. So let us hear these words. A revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Christ made it known by sending it through his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the witness of Jesus Christ, including all that John saw. Favored is the one who reads the words of this prophecy out loud, and favored are those who listen to it being read and keep what is written in it. For the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is and was and is coming and from the seven spirits that are before God's throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to the one who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood who made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and to ever. Amen. This is the word of the God, Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said with the kids, there's, in your bulletin today is a strip of paper, and if you only have one bulletin, you can tear it in half. And I want to, and if you need another one, I think we can probably arrange it, but I want you to take a moment to, to write down what you think of when you hear the words, revelation or apocalypse. Um, what are the first ideas or thoughts that come to your head? I really want you to do it. This is, um, we're we're going to need the, the back half later in the service. So don't like, if you have a lot of ideas, you could just, just cut them down to like three or something. I don't know. And you can, you can keep, you can keep writing while I'm talking. I mean, it's okay. It happens. Um, like many of us, I, I, I my preconception of Revelation had to do with ideas about the end of the world and the end of time. I do with a book that was, that was popular about 40 years ago called, uh, by Hal Lindsey called The Late Great Planet Earth. Some of you may remember there was a big hubbub about it. The book was actually more about um, the rise of China in the book of Daniel than the book of Revelation. But um, it, was, it was popular. I grew up in the, this time of the Left Behind series of these lots and lots of books that were all over the place. People sold a lot of churches, have the Left Behind series in their library, these stories of, of the rapture and the Antichrist. And as I studied theology and studied, studied the history of the church and the history of reading the Bible, one of the, the surprising things I discovered is that a lot of the ideas that are found in books like the late great planet earth and, and left behind series aren't the ideas that have been with the church throughout time. They aren't the ideas of the early church. The first Christians weren't reading the Bible in the same way. Tim LaHaye was reading the Bible. In fact, a lot of, a lot of those ideas comes from what's called dispensationalism, which is this idea that there are different um, periods and times of the earth um, and the universe, and that we are in one of those dispensations when different powers are allowed, and we're going to be in another. But that was only around. That only started in about the 1800s by a man named named John Darby. So these these ways of revelation are found in many places. We cannot uh, dismiss them. If you look at an interpretation. Um, of the Bible, if you look at this understanding of the book of Revelation, it's very complex. I think we have a picture of an interpretation uh, that's, that's very, very complex about what is going on in different, different ideas. I found even more complex ones that go into different ideas. And so it's not like, it's not a silly 
thing. It's not a stupid thing. It's very, very well thought out of trying to understand what do all these things mean. But like I said, these readings don't go back to the early church. Whether you grew up in the church or you were still not sure about this God thing, there is something in this book for you. Revelation, more than about the end of time and the end of the world, is about our identity. Who are you? Who are you? And what is the source of your identity? My friends, we are starting a new series on the book of Revelation. I'm going to try to explain it. Um, maybe not all of it. There's a lot of parts in it, but it's a good, um, a good gentleman's effort in this. That is the goal, to kind of explain what is going on. Some people obsess over Revelation. Others avoid it because it seems scary. There's a lot of powerful images, um, evocative images that have been um, absorbed in popular culture that seems like, oh, I don't know if I want to touch that. This is not a scary book. This is not um, a frightening book. It is a beautiful book. And over the next four weeks, we will give an overview of the whole book of Revelation. I encourage you, if you have a chance, to read some of the words, because a lot of the words are very different than what you might imagine when you hear the words, book of Revelation. Um, They they aren't aren't filled with that. But I'm not going to check your homework on this. There's not going to be a pop quiz at the end of the series. So we're going to look at the book of Revelation And how Revelation is both about our future with God, but also our present here and now. How God's presence is soon and near. And in some ways has already occurred in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because this isn't just about our future, but about our reality. How we see reality, how we perceive reality, how we live in the world. As one Bible scholar wrote, the book of Revelation counters that false view of reality by opening our eyes to the world of divine transcendence, realizing that that God is present here. It comes back to our identity. Are we primarily citizens of the world? Are we primarily citizens of the, the U.S., citizens of Texas, or are we citizens of heaven? And can we start living into that destiny now? In the Gospels, Jesus proclaims himself Lord of the Sabbath. There's this powerful moment when he heals a man on the Sabbath day, and some Pharisees come up and and accuse him of breaking the Ten Commandments because he he does this, because he heals someone who's who's wounded. And he goes to to this story about, you know, if your donkey is injured on on the Sabbath day, you're going to heal your donkey. Even David let his soldiers gather crops to feed themselves. But that aspect of, of the Sabbath gets us to, to how we understand who Jesus is. Today's message is called the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. alphabet. Jesus says he is the Alpha and Omega in the book of Revelation. I am the beginning and the end. When he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, he is saying that I am the one over creation. I am the one who created The first Sabbath day takes place in creation. It takes place in the seven days when God creates everything. But but God doesn't need to rest. I think this is one of those ways we misunderstand creation. We have like the story of, so God created the heavens, the earth, light, the moon, the sun, animals, creepy crawly things, humans, and then God rested. 
But God didn't rest like we have to rest after hard days of work. If you have to like clean out your garage and you're exhausted, um, that's different from God creating everything. God didn't rest in order to prepare himself for more work. God, God rested because he wanted to enjoy creation, to take it in. The importance of Sabbath rest is not about preparing us for more work. It's not to make us more efficient workers. We don't need to stop working in order to be better at working. It's to take in who we are and whose we are. When Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, when we practice Sabbath, when we purposefully are not efficient with our life and with our time, we admit that we are not the lords of all creation. We are not the creators of everything. Now, in this life, we do labor. We labor in the fields. Many of us labor in different ways, whether or not it's at the home, it's at the office, it's at school. Even in retirement, we, we labor, we work. We may not get compensated for it, but we still do things. But in our time to come with God, we shall have our true Sabbath rest. Our rest here is a foretaste of rest with God. Because God is the Lord of all our time. Our rest Lord of all our work. Revelation in that is not just about the future, but about the present. Who are you now? Are you the creator of your own destiny? Are you the, the, the lead character in your own story? And everyone else revolves around you and what you do and your decisions? Or were you created in the image of a God who is love? Were you created as a, as a person to love in this world? This Bible scholar goes on and says, Revelation is John's reader's concrete day-to-day world seen in a heavenly perspective. As such, it functions as a counter to the Roman and imperial view of the world. We have different ways of understanding our life and our daily experience. In the Roman view of the world, you have to offer sacrifices to the Roman gods. You have to offer fealty to the emperor, to the governor, to the army. This is different from the Christian view of the world, the view of the triune God, the view that you were created in the image of God for something more, not to support the monarch, but to worship the Lord of creation, to share love in this world. Before it mentions anything about Jesus coming, again, the book of Revelation is first a series of seven letters to seven churches, and we have a map. And so this is in what is now modern Turkey, it's not really a to scale map, um, but it just gives you an idea of where, where the seven churches are. Patmos is the island where John was when he received the vision and wrote. And then the different cities, Pergamum, Smyrna, Ephesus, Thyatria, Sardis, Philadelphia, recognize that name as a U.S. city, um, named after this place in, uh, in the book of Revelation, Laodicea. So the book of Revelation is a series of circulating letters. It is, is letters to these different places. It is also a a prophecy, as they says. It is also an apocalyptic, which is one of those words that, again, is kind of filled with cultural understanding that is different from how we we read it here. Apocalypse is is the literal translation of revelation. Um, And revelation is like revealing something. It's not not something in in a proper sense. It's like if I'm have my hands in front of my face and then 
ta-da, I reveal my face to you. That is the very sense of revelation. When there's a curtain over a stage and the curtain lifts up and you see what's behind the curtain, that is revelation. That is what is going on in this book. We see behind the curtain of reality. It does not mean the end of the world. Apocalypse does not mean the end of the world. Revelation does not mean the end of the world. It means seeing the world as it is. That is what is going on. It's not just that time is set in the future, but that our eyes are being opened to reality now. So the actions of Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, are beginning and our end, and that the forces of destruction do not have the final say over us. As well, in the book of Revelation, we are offered the body and blood of Christ at the table. We are also offered the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation. At the table, we have a foretaste of our heavenly feast. As well, we have a foretaste of our heavenly kingdom here. The world is being made new. The world is being made new, and we have a chance to participate in that. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this challenging book of the Bible together and focus on different aspects of worship together, what we call liturgy. Because the book of Revelation is full of songs of praise. And that's something that that is often missed if you don't take a chance to look at it. It's full of songs. The song we sang earlier with Jim and, and that we sing at communion, holy, 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 is sung in the book of Revelation. The basic structure of the book is important. It is basically a set of a brief introduction and conclusion with six cycles. There's a cycle of Christ and the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the dragon, the beast, and the faithful, the seven bowls, and the fall of Babylon, and from the beast demise to the new Jerusalem. Each of these visions begins in the presence of God, reveals threats of some kind, and then returns to the presence of God. And almost every vision includes a song. The timing of Revelation is what most people focus on. When is this going to take place? It'd be nice to know when this is going to happen so I can like fill my schedule in. I can figure out what I want to plan for or not. It'd be cool to, to understand that. You know, I don't know if I have time to make this trip to Antarctica. It'd be cool to know if I should plan for it, save up a little bit. Oh, if not, okay, that's okay. Um, when is it going to take place? Since about the 13th century, many have tried to piece together the precise timing of Revelation. Before that, they really did it. It was, it was in the 13th century, this man named Joachim de Fiore was decided that he could figure it out. He could figure out what was going on. And a lot of people since then have, have decided that they could figure out what was going on. That Jesus says earlier in the Gospels, you shall not know the time or the hour, but, but Joachim and others were like, what if I did know the time and the hour? <laughs> Wouldn't that be convenient? One of the interesting things about actually reading the book of Revelation is there isn't this claim about the end of time or the end of the age. The actual um, chronology of Revelation is much starker than that. This takes place in the book of Daniel and other places, but in Revelation, stuff is happening soon. Stuff is happening soon. John comes right out and say it, says it in the first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. The word translated here is take, which means like fast or quick in, in Greek. These visions are taking place soon. These visions are taking place soon for the people of the early 
church. They're taking place soon for us. But how can something happen with haste? How can something happen soon if it hasn't happened in 2,000 years? But like I said, my brothers and sisters, Revelation isn't just about our future or predicting our future. What if the book of Revelation can help us understand what we are living in today? Not as signs of the end, but as signs of God. And not as as figuring out what this image means here. What does this beast mean? What does this horseman mean in today's world? But, But where do you find yourself right now? The very first line of the book is sometimes translated a revelation from Jesus Christ. It can also be a revelation of Jesus Christ. The point is not these words, but, but who it comes from. It's not about the specificity, but about God being revealed in Jesus Christ for us and who God is for us. God is not on the side of destruction God is on the side of life. In the midst of literal tribulation, God is here for us. But today, we're, we're setting the table of sorts. A few minutes ago, I asked you to write down a preconception of the book of Revelation. If you didn't do it, that's okay. I'm also not taking notes on that. Um, now I want you to think on the other side of the paper, or if it's blank on both sides, on any side, I want you to think about a preconception you have of what God can do in your life? What is the limit you have on what God can do in your life? What is the limit of expectations? For instance, it may be like, I don't know if God can forgive me for that. I don't know if God will help me love that person. I don't know if God is really relevant for my life. I want you to take this time. Maybe it's a preconception of how often I can pray. I can't pray that much. I can't give that much. I can't serve that much. I can't share my faith. I can't be forgiven for that. God offers us freedom from those limits that we put on ourself. God shows us and tells us that those limits are from our head and from the world. They are not from God. That nothing is impossible for God. When we gather for communion, after we serve communion, there will be a time, there are two bowls next to these stations, water bowls, and like I explained to the kids, this is dissolving paper. So if you have a chance Um, after you receive communion, to go light a candle and drop your preconception of revelation or of God in that bowl of water, and it will disappear. And it will not be there. If you have, like, some, like, confession you really want to make and let go of, you can also do that, too. That's that's possible. But, um, But those bowls are there to let you watch those preconceptions walk, dissolve away. Because God offers us freedom. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Our end is not in destruction or in being told what to do or being pushed away from who we are. Our end is in the God who is love, who created us to be people of love in this world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us in Jesus. 
Help us to understand our identity in you so that our lives may reveal your love to others. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.